Diesel Racers and Rental Cars Podcast with your hosts, Top Fuel Cam, Cameron Bray, and his co-host, Mr. Top Sportsman, Don O'Neill. What's going on, Don? How's it going, Cam? Oh, it's wonderful if we could ever get these technical difficulties figured out. You'd figure after, what, 11 episodes we'd be able to get this shit figured out? But I guess not. Well, I guess, you know, the whole, uh, we did, what was it, episode six or four or something that was technology and motorsports. We obviously uh, did not have anyone on the technical side when it came to operating our podcast equipment. Yeah, I'm just glad that you have the controls now. Well, I think that you purposely fried your own laptop. I'm going to go with that. That's my story. I'm sticking to it. Dude, it was legit. I think smoke came out of it. (laughs) I cannot believe you gave me the control panel over here in southern Indiana when the showbiz state is California, and that's where you are. I think you should be. uh, I I think you're close to where the Internet starts, so I figured it'd be better, better service. I, I have no idea on that. Um, I'm beginning to wonder now if we can make it a little while without locking up. Uh, the gerbil fell off the wheel or something over here. I don't know. Uh, what really sucks is people will never get to hear what we talked about for a whole 40 minutes that is now in the internet space. Because it was damn good. It was definitely, for us, you know, listeners at home, you know, we're rambling about our technical difficulties, but for episode 12, this is our first one with an actual live guest, and we're not, you know, manipulating our voices to make it sound like we're having call-in people uh, to answer. We actually have someone that's going to enjoy and bless us on this podcast. Yeah, and he's a super cool dude. So, for those of you that uh, have never heard of a gentleman called, we like to call him Joe or Hyperactive Joe. Uh, Joe Opalowski with Hyperactive Performance Solutions. Um, we figured he would be an awesome first guest. Uh, he's a super tuner to the stars when it comes to ProMod, basically anything EFI and technology. The guy is a genius, if you ask me, and how to get uh, cars down the racetrack. And, and he's also a super cool dude, and we've done some pretty ridiculous shit together at certain trade shows and things like that and you know the rental car exploits and having joe all on out at the same time just kind of like just made it fit you know and and he's kind of in don's geographical location so they can both cry and bitch and moan how cold they are hey look the whole cold thing is you know that's a matter of your mind if it's cold outside you know how you deal with that you don't go outside it's that simple put a jacket on that's what i tell my wife and girls when they want to turn the heat up in the house don't you know that costs electricity (laughs) nice don't be running up my damn heat bill just funny to me that's even a thing but anyway let's call this fool up all right dial up the bat phone see if that part of technology actually works for the day well when you're when you're a famous guy like joe he's got like 17 different phones so i have his his personal personal number so he better fucking answer what's going on guys oh hey there he is what's up joe nothing just uh staying warm staying, staying busy 
Yeah, and trying to trying to be our first guest on a podcast and um, realizing what a bunch of squirrels we are trying to figure out how to use all this shit. Um, and we all have problems. When you bring technology into anything, it's bound to fail. Well, that's why we brought you in. Because <laughs> I'm bound to fail? Sweet. No, because you're, you're that good at technology. <laughs> we had to bring somebody in that knew what the hell they were doing. So I'm that good that now this is the first time you guys have had it freeze up and lost into cyberspace and everything else. So yeah, we're we're doing good. For all of the, you know, I mean, Joe, just for for recapping here, you do realize we're we're recording an hour long podcast and we've been at it for two hours. <laughs> yeah, we've been at it for two hours, but whatever. It, it's, it's a good thing that Joe requires a four hour minimum, so we got a few more hours to kill. It's a, uh, I mean, it's a Friday afternoon, almost the middle of January. Are we supposed to say the date? That don't matter. And uh, <laughs> what else are we going to do on a fucking cold ass day? Well, it's not, it's not like you're going to be cheering for the Bears or anything. So, you know. I was at that game and I cheered for the Philly. <laughs> well, that's because uh, you are, you got a little relationship there um, with some of those fly, eagle, fly, don't you, Joe? Wait, Joe, uh, you're in a relationship? You didn't tell me this. Who said I was in a relationship? <laughs> Let's not get out of hand. Um, no, Everybody I mean, says they want the backstory. That's what this dude, shit's just all like, about. No, but like anybody that's been to an NMCA race, anybody that's been to um, any of Donald Long's races, you know, they know that Fletcher Cox is a race car guy and he's a super cool dude and he kind of I asked him for a favor and somehow or another I got roped into buying Bears versus Eagle tickets and it was pretty cool um my brother's a big Bears fan and I'm not I really don't pay attention to football I just I got enough stuff going on all the time but for about a year and a half now, I've wanted to be able to take my brother to a Bears versus Eagles game and I literally didn't even know that it was happening till about almost midnight on New Year's Eve. I texted Fletcher and asked him if he could get me tickets because I thought the game was the next day because I don't pay attention to football. <laughs> um, so it was it was cool. It was a very neat experience. To was uh, there liquid courage? No, I was. Text? I don't drink. I'm still. I, I very very rarely drink. So I was so oh, I'm I just stupid. That's why there is a driver. I was just stupid. Um, and it was, a, it was cool. So, uh, I, th- they're playing the saints this weekend and hopefully they're going to kick ass. Cause uh, I have a little bit of bet on that one. <laughs> Why? Nice. Cause you're well, a enough, saints enough fan? about enough about penalty shots and, uh, and home runs. Um, I Golly, guess. Cam. <laughs> Jeez. Let's What's, get in. Let's get into the nitty gritty on what we're talking about here. For everybody that doesn't know, Joel Pulaski, like you said, Hyperactive Performance Solutions, um, a awesome tuning consultant out there in the world of drag racing. And I guess now you've branched out to a bunch of other stuff you can tell us about here in a minute. But um, yeah, we thought he'd be an awesome first guest because not only is he a real good friend of mine um, and Don's, but uh, he, the guy knows a lot about you know, the backstory of things because he's kind of one of the guys that makes these cars go so fast on, you know, all these shows and TV and, you know, racetracks and the duck race, you know, you know, all these, all these things that uh, everybody sees on Facebook and all that stuff. Like Joe's kind of one of the guys that's, that's the background and, 
it makes everybody else look good. So we wanted to give him some some serious plugs here and and listen to his story and see what kind of shit we can stir up in in regards to <laughs> rental car exploits and things like that. Because now that we have guests on here, we get to talk about more about rental car shenanigans. So Joe, <laughs> tell me a little bit about. Uh, tell me what you do here. What we do at Hyperactive is we provide. EFI and data systems, fuel systems, turbocharging systems, manufacturer boost controllers. Um, for most of the major EFI systems that drag racers use being Holly, Haltech, FuelTech, Emtron, Motec, Big Stuff 3. Um, I'm sure I've missed a couple of them, but close enough. Data systems from obviously RacePack, AIM, Motec. Autometer, um, and we do sales in support of those turbochargers, wastegates, all that good jazz, and kind of handle all of that as well as you know the tuning at the track on an engine dyno. Um, we have a five thousand horsepower mainline hub dyno that we kind of keep pretty busy and um, just try to have some fun every once in a while. And chase the dream. Chase the dream. Yeah. I think we chase it through airports most of the time, but that's all right. Nice. Nice. So with, well, what do I want to start? Where do I want to start? I well, guess, the problem is we're backtracking because we already <laughs> started talking all sorts of trash and now we're trying to remember what we were saying, but I guess all- we'll just, I guess we'll just say that everything that we said was uh, not legal for uh, public use. So that way we look cool. Yeah. Exactly. There we no, go. that was not the case. We're that, never going to look. It actually, golly, it actually was a great, great podcast. Well, here, I'll jump in and help you, Cam. Joe, you got to tell us now because now we're going to we're gonna pick up because you obviously on your intro said a little more, answered a little more knowing where we were before in the other podcast. So that helped <laughs> out. So let, let's talk about the fact. Let's get right down to it, the nitty gritty of. How did you get in to doing the, the tuning applications, if you will, providing those services to people like Fletcher Cox? I don't do any tuning. Uh, Nick Bruder helps Fletcher. Um, they do a great job with that stuff. I have sold them their race pack systems for both the new Radio vs. the World car as well as the Gold Dust car. But no, I'll clarify that Nick does all that. And Nick and Fletcher are both good people. Um you know, it's just like any other kid out of high school or whatever has to find something to do. And, you know, the, the bridging of technology and drag racing, even back in the late nineties with, you know, guys like Chuck Samuel and, um, Mike Moran and et cetera, doing, you know, the EFI stuff way back when dry nitrous, the whole deal just always intrigued me. So I started to kind of just gobble up every bit of information I could and, and understanding and, was fortunate enough to um, get introduced to Chuck. Him and I raced for a number of years together with Kevin Marsh's Pro 5 program. Did fairly well with it and gained a bunch of the understanding on the engine side of things while still always being really intrigued by the electronics and was always able to be like the guy that, you know, him as an engine builder and some of the manufacturers, you know, getting an engineer on the phone, I was able to kind of transmit the information from an engineer's level to a regular consumer's level. And 
you know, had other various jobs throughout some of that. We were successful with the Pro 5.0 stuff, tried to get out of this whole mess, tried to do some real estate stuff with a buddy, and that all kind of came crashing down end of 07. And I was going to say, let me guess, our, that was around 2008? Um, <laughs> you know, they're still doing it. It was, that was one of those deals you just learn. You know, at the time, it's, you know, never work with or for friends, and the biggest thing I learned from that deal was you could do it if you have the ability to communicate and, and communicate clearly and concisely because otherwise it just turns into a shit show. Um, so end of 07, I was basically left unemployed and decided to kind of shit or get off the pot. I, you know, had various jobs that just didn't, I don't know, I don't do well with authority and I don't do well with like a lack of common sense. So it was like, well, I'm tired of working for people that just are stupid and didn't understand the concept that at the end of the day, we're all here to help people or serve people, especially in the retail landscape and give the customers what they want. If we give the people what what they want, as long as their expectations (laughs) are reasonable. Um, so (laughs) end of 07, I, you know, kind of ventured off on my own and, you know, we've been doing this for 11 years now and, um, been okay with it. We've done pretty well. We've, uh, recently, uh, I hired a sales guy who does a great job, which is allowing me to kind of do things like this and the phone still gets answered and it's been good. It's been very stressful. I'm 40 and I swear, I feel like I'm 70 most of the time, but we've been, we've done neat things. We've done neat things, you know, in radio versus the world land and pro mod NHRA, um, mandates that all the turbo competitors must run our boost controller, um, which has been a very neat experience, but also challenging at times because anytime anybody thinks anything is wrong with their turbo car, it's the boost controller's fault. <laughs> um, so I thought it was a know, tuner. It as a, well, sometimes it's been both because well, I that's do, Joe that too. Helps. So he's, <laughs> yeah, sometimes he's it's been both. But, uh, you know, and honestly, it, it, it's really not, we, it's, it's a running joke that like, I mean, the, the bullhorn can fall off the car and people will look at me and be like, oh, it's fucking boost controller. So they say, oh man, my car won't that? start once well, my data logger is broken. Yeah. I mean, you get it. It's like, you know, it, it, it's just the way it kind of works with the data side of it. And we've been fortunate to, you know, when I kind of started the deal, um, it was, and this is what we said in the beginning of the other podcast that got failed and fried, you know, when, when I started this business, you know, it was to bring data and understanding and technology to more people. And at the end of the day, we've succeeded because when, you know, end of 07, beginning of 08, you would tell somebody that they needed a data logger and they would say, I don't need that shit. Um, it's not going to make my car faster. It, it's whatever. And we've proven throughout the last decade that the more information you have, the bigger picture you can paint. And um, it's been it's been good. We've we've helped raise the bar in small ways, and and that's what makes it enjoyable. And we just keep doing that. Well, Joe, I don't appreciate you saying like you're 40 and you feel like you're 70. I'm 45, <laughs> and you know I'm trying to I'm picking up my second wind here. That's what I'm trying to. You know, I'm so I'm you're a, telling me it's 
five years, I'll get a second uh, win. That's <laughs> Kick it in, my friend. Kick it in. I hope so. Uh, so where do you think your biggest, you know, we'll get on a soapbox here, let you toot your own horn for, for what you've done in the market space because you are a diverse individual that you're doing stuff between not only drag racing, but, you know, off-road trucks and boats and, and so forth. So you've got some some different avenues or arenas that you work in. What do you think so far has been that aha moment for you, not only as an individual, but for your company as well? I know you mentioned the boost control deal with, with turbos and NHRA and for any company to be at that level, that's, that's a pretty substantial accolade to, to be able to boast about a company. But for you personally, where, where do you think your aha moment was or have you had it yet? Um, I mean, the biggest aha moment, I don't know, you guys can't see it, but I have a Wally up there from the uh, 2015 uh, U.S. Nationals and ProMod. I know that there's others that Boom. have those as well, but um, that was, you know, at the end of the day, I think I spend every day still trying to prove myself in whatever we're doing, um, but that day was pretty cool. So that was the aha moment of like, okay, I guess we could do this. You think that put you on the map? You think that really kind no, of No, I, I, no, I don't. I mean, I don't really know what put me on the map. I think it was just a lot of hard work and just treating people fairly, um, and getting, you know, as we all know, a lot of this stuff is networking. It's it's who you know. It it as much as it's what you know. Um, but who you know will only get you so far because if you can't back anything up, you kind of just fall by the wayside. So. I wake up every day thinking I have something to prove and um, seeing what we can do. I, I don't, you know, there's those little bits, right? Like you mentioned the whole, you know, when we started, when I made a, you know, when I got hooked up with an engineer and we kind of did the boost controller stuff and then that kind of has taken off. Okay. And then, you know, the, all the NHRA stuff, you know, there's, I don't think there's one big feather you can ever put in your cap, but I think, you know, we have a couple feathers that have at least keep me coming back that make me, you know, feel like I'm still doing something that's, that's fairly reasonable from radio versus the world stuff to, um, you know, we've recently started working with, you know, I've done end of last year, I actually, you know, did some engine stuff with like a Daytona prototype car, GTP style car, um, doing some off-road truck stuff. I've done UTV stuff. Like I just, I don't like doing the same thing every day and, uh, I like variety and to be challenged. Variety. Hey, we're on the variety network for voice America. <laughs> <laughs> oh, we're <a> variety. <laughs> this is like a slapstick variety show before too long. I I know, hey Joe, you would not believe that we thought we were going to be on the sports network, and we were for like three episodes, I think. And the next thing you know, we're over on the Variety Channel. And can you believe that they got like close to ten thousand people listening to me and Cam? Yeah, now me. This is jacked, but whatever. <laughs> I, I I think what's going to happen is your ten thousand number is going to go down about midway through, like right about this point when they start listening to the podcast. It'll go down to like seven thousand. But uh, <laughs> you know what? It's cool. It's fun. Uh, I've never been much of the podcast guy, but it's mainly due to time. But they're they serve the purpose and let's entertain some people. 
Well, we're definitely doing that, seeing how it's, like I said, it's supposed to be an hour, and we've tied up two trying to do it. So we're going to keep rolling. Uh, I want to hear, I want to throw something, because we, we kind of missed it on the last one, didn't really miss it, but we were going to miss out on it. I want to hear about uh, a good rental car ride that was like a decade ago with Cam. Oh, dude. I'm married now, so this needs to, this needs to be... Uh... So we're going to... Sp- Specif- like we're going to kind of broaden it up a little bit and That's probably we're gonna a very say, good idea <laughs> we were in orlando um i'm single so like I, I can be thrown way under the bus and it's not gonna matter um so we'll just basically you, we were at an establishment so we were at pri <laughs> and we were it was in orlando everybody that listens to this has ever been there nice weather in december and etc and um we left the trade show area and decided to go to an establishment which call that disney world yeah i mean it's it's disneyland for some people um not exactly kid friendly and nothing actually exciting happened but on the ride back it entailed some random person that didn't want to get in their car with their friends we had too many people in our car. One person was wanting to open the door and jump out while we were cruising down I-4. Um, it involved a hat that fell on the ground, which then got peed on. Um, and it involved Denny's because every good drunken story involves a, some sort of late night restaurant. Pretty sure that's where I exited the situation and walked that was back where to my Cam hotel. Ran away and we didn't know. Yeah, that was that. Hey was man, I, I I wanted nothing to do with it. it well, you know, and the, it, it, you know, Cam's married now, and obviously whatever. But it, any of the core people, well, but like there was other people there that'll remain nameless. But any of the core people, myself, Cam, like we weren't doing anything wrong. It was all the shit bags that we brought with us. See, that was the thing. Like, we ended up there randomly, and we were, like, literally picking people up. Yeah. Yeah, Like, we weren't even doing anything. We stood outside, and next thing you know, there was way too many people in the car, and we're... Yeah. And anybody that's met Cam know he's fairly small, so we shoved him in the glove box and um, (laughs) got down the road. Sounds like a complete situation of victim of circumstance is what I'm hearing. Exactly what it was. That's what always happens when you travel. Victim and of circumstance <laughs> and a Denny's and a Denny's. And a Denny's. All right. I did not go for the grand slam. I went back <laughs> to my hotel, which happened to be like two blocks away. And I said, you know I don't what? know if anybody went for a grand slam. I know I didn't. I'm kind of glad I didn't. I got a cut. There's a couple good stories for the Orlando world of PRI there. Man, I do miss that warm weather in the middle of the winter. That is definitely something to enjoy. I actually like PRI and Indy better, but that's just me because it's close and I don't have to get on an airplane. <laughs> it's like the little bit of break. Typically, we go to Streetcar Super Nationals in Vegas, and then I don't have to travel until like I leave in a week or two to go to uh, U.S. Street Nationals. But fortunate, but I've also had three trips since then. But typically, Indy was like the okay, we're home and we're good, and they have good food. Things are tighter packed, and there's less riffraff so to speak so with doing your job like do you hate traveling or do you like it Uh, what i've learned with traveling is you know 
if you keep things consistent, so if you fly the same airlines, you go to the same hotels, you go to the same rental car places, you do um, everything as consistent as you can. It's I enjoy it. Like I, I am used to it. I don't have any issues with it at all. But you get these people like you. You know what was prevalent on the news like a year or two ago was all these people you know having problems with flights it's like if you stop the next time any of us are at an airport and you just stop and you look around and realize i don't care how big or how small the airport is and realize how many people are standing around you and realize that that's one terminal of that airport and there's however many hundreds of airports in the country like the ability for those people to do their job and not kill people is phenomenal so if the shit's delayed an hour it it's just delayed an hour. It's just part of it. Well, an hour is not too bad when you fly with me. <laughs> <laughs> you're sitting in an airport, though, Joe. Now that you're on this podcast deal, you'll have plenty of time to catch up on your racer and rental car episodes while you're sitting there. Just go on over there to iTunes. Go. Yeah, go on over to iTunes and subscribe. Shameless plug. That was definitely a shameless plug, but it's okay. <laughs> you know, I mean, like, and, you know, the other side of that deal for people that don't travel often or whatever, like, I fly the same airline because then I get status, not because I think it's cool or whatever, but I've literally been in an airport. I think it was Tampa and I was trying to get home and they've delayed my flight to the point where I wouldn't meet my connecting flight. So I, you know, when you have Delta status, for example, you have like a specific phone number and you can change flights for free the day of the flight. So I literally picked up the phone and said, hey, there's another flight leaving in an hour. Can I just get on that? And I got on the flight. So it, that's the situations where doing it all the time and getting, you know, understanding it makes it easier because I was able to get home and didn't have to waste nights and days. And you see all these people screaming and yelling at people like it's they're the ones that held up the plane. You're like the, the person, the counter person's the asshole that held the plane up like they not that not the people like that stand fault. up right when the seatbelt sign go, turns off and they're in row 48 and they oh, all yeah they all rush the, they all rush the aisle trying to get their luggage out dude and I, I don't fly south and i don't fly southwest because i don't like acting like i'm at a bus stop but that shit is like oh, legit don't tell me. i'm literally getting on a southwest flight tomorrow I think I have to next week because I got to go to somewhere in Texas that I think they're the only flight that goes in there. But like the thing is, like you'll get these people that's like they've never been on an airplane before <laughs> and they're like zone six and they're the first person trying to get on the airplane. It's like, dude, that's not how this works. Like zone six means there's five other ones before you and first class and like just stay in the back, like stop getting in the way of everything. Wait, can we have a beginner's? We could have beginner zoning. Can we start that? Should we send that in? Like, if you've never flown before, this is your truly your first time, please stand over here. We will help you. Kind of like the blind leading the blind. Well, like Delta has done that now, depending upon the airport you go to where they have the signs. They have like premium sky priority zone one. Two. It's like we're grown adults that we don't know how this process works. Now we got to stand next to a sign like we're at a bus stop. It's like, what is, because, well, the problem is people are just impatient. Everybody's just impatient. I was at LAX recently and the the, the lady came over, came came over the the loudspeaker 
and she said, uh, you know, just so you guys know, like, you know, if it's not, if we didn't call your zone, if you could please stand back, because literally there was like a mob of people and you couldn't even see the lady like talking on the, the PA. And she said it. Not one person moved. <laughs> like, no, because they're talking to everybody but that but person. Them. And unfortunately, the plane cannot leave until all of y'all get on. It's okay. Exactly. Like, they're not leaving without us as long as we're there. Just, I just laugh. I I just, you know, whatever. But so when you travel and you do all this stuff, what are some of the cool tracks? And like, you get to go to a different track every week, it seems like, or, you know, these races and all these people that get to see all this cool stuff on Facebook, Instagram, whatever. And you're actually there, but you're kind of a more behind the scenes guy, right? You know, you're not the guy that's, you know, signing autographs and kissing babies. You're the one that's making that all happen. Do you like that better? Like, or would you feel like you don't get as much recognition as you feel like you deserve? You know, as you saw when you and I decided to do um, race pack videos that I don't like cameras. And I don't really need attention um, as long as we can do a good job. And as long as I can pay the mortgage, I'm not really too worried about fame or fortune. It doesn't matter to me. I have no problem being in the background. Don's sick of being famous. He just wants to be rich. I, th- I, I think we're in the same boat. I'd be good with rich. I'd be okay. <laughs> <laughs> so when you go to like, how does, how does your dynamic work? You, Okay. If I'm a guy, I call you and say, hey, man, like I got this X whatever car. I want you to tune it. How do you like how do you do that when it like say you already have a customer that's there? Like what? How does all that work? Like if I want Joe Pulaski to tune my shit and he's already there, like is it do you spread your time or do you just let them up? Like, no, like, hey, man, like. I'm willing, it's, I mean, you don't have to say pricing, but it's, it's X cost X to do this, but also just know that I'm tuning somebody else as well. That's typically how we work the deal. Um, I've structured the pricing to where if I'm there for one person, it's X. If I'm there for two people, it goes down a little bit for the first person and I split travel. I personally try to not help 15 people. Um, you know, like when we were originally talking earlier, you know, like Donald's race is a big race. You know, Duck X production lights out 10 is coming up. Another shameless plug. Does that work? Um, hey, race pack sponsors that one. That's OK. You can do they that. do. Um, you know, it's I think Holly EFI does as well. Um, it becomes a deal where like I have a broad spectrum of customers that have purchased product from us that have. Um, I've done, you know, whether I did tuning with them at a different event, whatever, you know, customer service is still customer service, but I kind of choose the clientele as far as the tuning side of it to keep my sanity. I can't help 15 people. I just straight up don't have enough brain power. I don't have enough ability to watch that many cars go down the racetrack while get to that many trailers and process that. Maybe there's people that can. I'm not that person. So we just decide, you know, where in the, so to speak, the pecking order, if it makes sense for me to help or not, you know, the guys that have kind of purchased the product from us that have supported us over a number of years, you know, their first, you know, first come first serve, so to speak. 
you know, first come first served in the sense of who was a part of hyperactive and who was a part of our business first, you know, some new, uh, the biggest thing for me is, you know, I've had people that, Hey, you know, are you going to be at this event? You know, I'd really like for you to help me. And I've never even seen the car. And I I struggle with that. I kind of don't even want to do it because you're walking into, you know, we had mentioned before, like you can't have a guy that calls you up and he goes, Hey, I've been six thirties and I want to go five seventies, but you know, damn well, when you look at the car, the car can go six twenties. So there's a 10th in their program, but they think there's a, you know, half a second in it. And you kind of just have to manage the expectation and hope that it all makes sense. So to go to a big event like that, where everything you do matters in every class or every assistance, having never seen a car, like it's just, it's counterproductive. You know, I had that happen last year sometime where a guy is like, oh, are you going to be at this event? And I'm like, look, I'll help you. But as long as we're under the premise that I will only do it after I've tested with you prior to that, because I'm not going to roll into that event where it's already stressful enough and it's going to be mad. It's going to be a shit show. And I've never seen your car and it doesn't run. And I failed your expectation. And now and every wire, mad. every wire is red. Every wire is red or <laughs> this doesn't turn on or that doesn't turn on. And it's, but it's your fault. It's always my fault. It is absolutely always my fault. And I'm cool with it being my fault. I have big shoulders. I'm good. <laughs> ah. so I, I, you keep bringing up the duck race and this is, this is like, doesn't really relate to anything other than I've always been curious because I've never been to one of those races. So, you know, we sponsor it or whatever. It's a cool thing. It's super popular. What's the deal with the starting line situation? Which like, explain to me this. You stand on a couple scaffoldings. With some oh, banners, the arc. Like, you that mean, just, that just we call seems, it the arc. Okay. It just <laughs> seems like the, the, oh man, that many people on some scaffolding. Like, it just seems like a bad idea. I mean, it's cool, but I, I don't know. You know, it's a deal where... It makes like the first time they did it, they had it way too far forward. Like you couldn't even see a car in the water box. So you didn't know if there was a car on the other side of the other side of the arc. Um, that was like the one event and they fixed it. I feel like but, the idea was probably a good to keep people off the starting line. Like, okay, if you're a VIP, like you can stand here. And I remember I was watching it live on one of the feeds one time and I'm like, oh my gosh, dude, like that thing is going to come careening down because there's like 5,000 people on that thing. It, you know, he does it for his VIP deal, which is a neat thing. Like we can all bag on Donald and he's my buddy and I'll bag on him as best as anybody. Um, Who doesn't love him though? But well, he's a shit talker, but the cool thing is he does that in person too. (laughs) That whole VIP thing is, you know, there's a, stand on each side of the racetrack and then the arc and you get access to that. You get a t-shirt, you get free meals. Like he, what he does is he creates an environment where people want to be there. And he's a good promoter and he gets it. He is. And he does a good job. And yeah, I think that thing is, you know, I I was just curious. 
I was just curious in the aspect of you being a, a tuner and, you know, not the driver of the car and there's all those people around and you're like trying to work and like all these people are just like on the starting line going like, Woo-hoo! you know, that, well, that happens. That's what like, do. I don't even know. Like, I haven't been to many grudge races, but that's like the same thing. And, you know, they designed that thing to get people off the starting line, but it didn't fucking fix it. And. <laughs> you know the, the best is and this is like any racetrack around the country drag racing like so and i haven't i'm taking this by somebody's word because i haven't been given the waiver but basically when you sign that waiver when you go on the racetrack it says that like you're kind of understanding that you're given safe conditions so as a tuner to go up to the starting line, my goal isn't to hang out there and talk shit to people. My goal there is to make sure that what the racetrack looks like so I can make decisions. So the reality is you could backtrack it and say, my goal is to make sure that whatever driver we're dealing with is to make sure that they have a safe racetrack. Safety. So like when you get kicked off the starting line and these security people, it's no different than the people at the airport. The security people are just doing what they're told, but some of those people need to be kept in check. And like Donald's race, <laughs> yeah, exactly. I mean, Orlando before Ozzy took over it 15 years ago. I mean, I've had a sheriff poke me in the chest and yell at me and just demean me, and and I don't care. So I'm kind of immune to it all. But like Donald's race, you know, hyperactive is a sponsor. So technically, as a sponsor, I should be able to go up there and talk shit all day long. And we have our own little, you know, we, he has color coded stuff and everything else and, and they do do a good job. But like the first day when the security gets there, they all puff their chest and act, you know, tough. And so we just fix it. We just fix it. (laughs) Well, yeah. You just call Donald or Stephanie and say, Hey, like, what is the point of me doing this? If I'm going to get yelled at and then they just keep them in check. But it's, you know, people need to remember that. You know, the cars, the people that back the cars up, the people that are there, like you need to give them room and, and otherwise they're just going to run your ass over. And, yeah. and it I know, like, I know that this went off on a tangent and I know we go <laughs> off. It, really, it really isn't related to much of anything, but people don't realize, I mean, these are things that we as racers and tuners and whatever, like these are things that we deal with and, you know, some people don't have to deal with stuff like that. So it, it's, it's cool to hear you know, different opinions on, you know, I mean, shit, we've talked about this state of certain functioning bodies and how to run races or whatever, like what, what can be done better. And it's like, so it, it all kind of is related and, you know, some ideas work, some ideas don't, you know, it's cool. But I mean, back to, back to like some of the EFI stuff, like when you go and, and tune somebody, we did an episode about this and I don't know, maybe Don was probably he'll, he could say a little more about it, but intellectual property, we had a, an episode about, and we talked, how do you combat that? Like you're a tuner, you're getting paid to do something. And like, after you leave, like, is that your tune up or did you give them that tune up? Everybody does it differently. And I respect (laughs) Um, it. Uh, Well, I mean, Cause like my mind is going, how did I phrase that before? But you did. Uh, is this thing on, um, you know, I look at it when a client comes to me and we dyno it, we go to the racetrack, we do whatever that it's their information. Um, 
you know, like I had a guy that just showed up to dyno a week ago. Uh, we changed EFI systems in his car. You know, they walked into the dyno and I used their laptop. You know, I took the stuff when I was done, but I still showed them what I did by leaving all the files on their computer. It, you know, it doesn't matter to me. The, the phrase I used earlier was, you know, they're paying for my brain for that day. They get my brain and get that on a t-shirt. Get that on it. That, that's, that's the new hyperactive slogan. If, <laughs> if racers and rental cars doesn't steal it, they're paying for my brain. Um, no one is paying what, for our brain right now. <laughs> I mean, there's not much there, so it's, it's <laughs> a short term. Like my computer was. Sure. It's a short term investment, but <laughs> at the end of the day, there's customers or clients that shouldn't be allowed to touch their computer. Um, you know, I use the story of back about 12 years ago, I worked at a shop. We had a customer come in and his computer was locked. Well, I knew I kind of had a feeling who locked it, you know, called the guy up like, Hey, you know, what's the password for this? And, you know, cause everybody wanted to condemn him and blame him for locking it. And he's like, man, I don't lock that shit because at the end of the day, I'm just going to let the, the customer screw it up so I can get paid to fix it. Um, you know, I did it once. I'll do it again. There's not much, you know, magic, so to speak, of what we do sometimes. Um, but, you know, I had a car come in the shop kind of as a favor for a buddy. It was a streetcar deal and the computer was locked. And I kind of threw a guy like I knew. I'm like, hey, you know, what can I do? He's like, oh, I know who did that. That guy's never going to give you the password. Like, man, I get it. Like, if it ran really good, this car ran like shit. Like, it wouldn't idle. It wouldn't do anything. And I'm not making I'm not throwing any names out there because it's everything got handled. But basically, like, I mean, the cold start was terrible. Everything. And I, I get it. Like, but the shit was locked. It's like, why am I locking up garbage? <laughs> so I made, I, you know, sent a message to a buddy that, you know, the internet is wonderful because it allows you to kind of like correlate like, Oh, uh, this person knows that person. And I know that person. So <laughs> I, I sent a text. I'm like, listen, I get it. I respect it. I'm not trying to steal anybody's information, but this thing runs like shit. So I'm going to give the guy two options. He can either give me the password or I will go Facebook live and I will tag him and I will show everybody how shitty this car runs. It's amazing. It's amazing. You just got to be aggressive. It's amazing what shame will do to people, right? You know? Well, like I say, I get it. I mean, if it was, you know, a high end street car that had like specific can protocols, like it was really cool custom stuff and the car ran like an OE car and the customer just wanted to change something. I wouldn't have wanted to touch it. This thing wouldn't even idle. Got to fix so, it. What do you do? And I didn't want to start over because after it warmed up, it was tolerable. So let me at least start with something. And it was a computer that I don't use every day. And oh yeah, it was fun. <laughs> but you know, the intellectual property thing is I, I get both sides of it. I try to, you know, leave everything with the customer because that's ultimately what they're paying for and what we charge for. And if it teaches them to do it and use it, because not only do I go there and tune customers cars, but I also educate, 
you know, when you come to our dyno, we're there to teach. You might not ever have ever seen the system you installed, but we allow, you know, I teach you how to operate and how to do it. That's what you're paying for. So hiding all of that or locking all of that isn't fair to them. Well, and that makes sense. And, and, and honestly, Joe, you're probably, you're probably going to be in the minority group when it comes to that philosophy about intellectual property and your business practice. Cause there's a lot of people that feel like, well, you know, today I'm working with you. I showed off. You ran the best you did, tested really good, got great performance. The, the optimism or positive direction movement forward is, is for you. And I brought it to the table. Okay. So do you want to hire me or are we going to have a relationship? Okay. We're not. All right. And alt control alt delete and, uh, have a good one. That doesn't. You know, short-term greed works in that way, but I think long-term business success makes that mindset hard because if I had that attitude with everybody, I don't think I would have a lot of repeat customers, and I do. You know, I can go back to some of my first customers. You know, Mark Woodruff was one of my first boost controller customers. We've helped him on and off throughout the years. He's a great friend. Like, if I was a greedy prick and just, I don't think I would have maintained those types of relationships. Well, Joe, the one thing that I can uh, just really grab hold of with you is that, you know, when you started talking about your company and the way you approach things with customers in your businesses, you use the phrase customer service. And that is, that is the one thing that is truly intangible, but will impact a tangible outcome. And so to hear you say that and, and transfer it over, you know, you're, you're not talking out one side of your mouth when you're talking about intellectual property and, and short-term greed and that that's not your boat to row. So, uh, that I would say after 12 years, you, you've, uh, established your, uh, genetic makeup of ethics, morals, and values, my friend. Yeah. You know, and people just want to be treated fair and, you know, that's not to say the customer is always right because sometimes the customer's not. And, you know, like dealing with vendors like Cam would know because I've dealt with Cam for years. Like there's times when we're going to say that, you know, the race pack is wrong and we fix it and whatever. And there's other times where it's like, no, you're just, you're wrong. You're, you know, we can't, I can't go to bat and yell at my vendor because you're stupid. And, and I kind of pick my battles in that regard. And, Sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't, but, you know, we, we sell a lot of product, but another thing that I do that's kind of different that, you know, to touch on is I don't stock a ton of product and I don't do that because I don't want to jam my stock down somebody's throat. So if somebody calls up, we listen to kind of what they're doing and we kind of get an understanding of where they're headed and get them the right part for where they're going. Not I'm going to sell them this part because it's on my shelf and it's been there for two months and I'm tired of looking at it. Well, that's so I'm going to do whatever my sales pitch is to get them off the door. Yeah. Well, that that's, what's cool about that. I mean, you, it's not like, Oh man, I got to get, I got to get this out of here. And you know, you actually listen to the customer see, you know, you're a dealer for, you know, race pack, Motec, whatever, like what, whether it's Holly, Haltech, whatever, like, if you listen to the, what the customer is saying and you have enough knowledge in order to 
you know, see what, you know, say one product, say, let's just take an EFI, for example, say one, what, what this guy's looking to do, that product is really good at it, but they're thinking when they called you, oh, I want to go with X brand over here. And then you can at least, you know, your knowledge, you can at least explain to them like, hey man, like, here's why I recommend you go here. And then you're not, at the end of the day, you're a dealer for all of it. So it doesn't really matter. I mean, maybe your discount rate or whatever may be different, but you're not looking at it on like, oh, I'm just, like you said, just shove it down your throat. Like you're looking at the sale in the future, not just the present. Yeah. And there are different discount levels and things of that nature, but I really don't, that's not why I sell or one product over the other. Right, you're not a re- you're not necessarily like a a huge retail conglomerate where you're like, oh my gosh, I have to sell this. You're you're selling your services essentially, and you happen to be a dealer. Absolutely, and yeah. and, that and that's worked what's out. Cool. There, there's not a lot of a, a lot of that really around anymore. Now it's just big box stores, and they just, oh yeah, I have this, you know, widget, and I need to sell it. Well, I mean, like here's one that you guys can both comprehend and, and understand and go, oh, fuck, this happens all the time is how many people have called you and they want to buy a sportsman and then they give you the list and you're like, well, that's six. That's how many, like, that's all like, like, so you're buying into a wall and they're like, well, yeah, but it's, it's cheaper. It's like, so it's $800 less between a, in, in rough numbers between a V300 SD and a sportsman. So right now, like if you never want to add anything on, all right, cool. Like if you're a bracket card, 990 card, and that's all you're ever going to need, no problem. But I have yet to meet somebody that has bought data that stopped at their initial investment. Well, that's what everybody doesn't realize. They, you know, once you get going, you know, so-and-so said I need this. Well, yeah, that's cool. But once you realize and start figuring out how all this stuff works and like, oh man, this is cool. I'd like to try X. Well, when you're already maxed out, you're done. You're done. But you, but you go buy it from a big box brand or now with the way certain things are, you go buy it from the retard down the street because he has a, a warehouse deal. Um, that's a whole nother subject, but like Different they podcast. don't understand how they're, they don't know. What was that? Different podcast upcoming soon. Yeah. Well, so I get to see, I'm going to use this fancy microphone again. I'm sure. <laughs> um, but you just, they don't understand how all the parts and pieces work together, so they can't assist you. So you wind up, you know, I've had it multiple times where I've had a guy with recently like an IQ3 drag dash, and he also had a VNet oil pressure module. I'm like, uh, it came with the dash, dude. Like, who sold you this shit? So we try to manage it as best as we can. We are not perfect by any means, but. The one thing that I commend, you know, my sales guy and myself is when we don't know, we just tell you we don't know. Like, I'm not going to buffalo you. I'm not going to bullshit you. I'm terrible at that. Well, so, you know, uh, the other podcast, we talked about you justifying your value and you basically just went right through that answer and justification. You know, when you refer, I'm right there with you. I will get up on the stage if you want to jump up and down and pound your <laughs> fist on the pulpit. Uh, you don't know how many phone calls I get. Hey, uh, I bought a race pack from so-and-so, and it doesn't work, and I'm having problems. And I'm like, they're like, you know, so-and-so told me to call you because you can fix it. And I'm going, who'd you buy it from? Well, I bought it from <laughs> Company X. 
Well, why don't you call company X back? Or, or I'm going to charge you, you know, service fees for my time to fix your system because you bought the wrong stuff because you did call the guy that makes $13 an hour and drives a Hyundai um, Sonata back and forth and lives in a two bedroom apartment. And he's never even been to the drag race. I think you just described me. No, I just, I'm like, <laughs> damn, it's not a Hyundai, but we're close. <laughs> and, um, I drive a Sonata a lot when we rent those things. That's like a, that's like the, generic that's because you fit in them i don't um (laughs) you know and that's a tough deal because what's happening is it's becoming more and more prevalent in that regard to where you know we get these people and i get it and at the end of the day this whole hobby and sport that that everybody participates in is expensive but like the reason why we might be more is because when you call me i'm going to answer the phone and i and if i don't know the answer i'm going to get the answer and I, I don't chase the the bottom dollar where, but if you get a guy that calls and it's like, Hey, I saved 20 bucks on my EFI system and now I need your help. I, you know, I look at it like either I, it, how I pick if I charge or not is based upon, do they need more stuff? If they need more and I'm going to sell them more, it's in my best interest to just, grin and bear it and take care of them. If they've purchased 95% of the right stuff and I can't, and it's not a money thing, but time is money. If I, if they just need help, then they're going to get charged. So unfortunately I probably end up on the losing stick more than I should, but I treat it as situation nice by guys situation. Last, bro. Well, Oh, I got, I got one better for you, Joe. Uh, I use it all the time when people call me up and I always ask them, I'm like, Hey, what do you do for a living? They're like, well, I build houses. You can build me a house for free. Well, no. Well, how do you want me to fix your stuff for free, bud? You know, you got bills to pay. I got bills to pay. I'm right there with you. If I'm selling something in the end and I'm going to gain a customer opportunity, I will, I will go to the ends of the earth because that's what you do because you want to show them that that's what kind of person you are and what kind of company you work for. But those that call you up and say, Hey, I can buy it cheaper over here. What can I bring it to you? And will you put it in? You're like, huh? You know, what I've learned is a lot of my clientele that are business owners don't really haggle over the price. But, and again, we're not picking on any person, but you get these people that they'll put on Facebook, like, who has the best deal on this? And and the best thing that I can say is your example is correct, but you take a guy, I don't care, he's a UPS driver because we all deal with UPS. So you take a UPS deal and the guy walks in in the morning and his boss goes, okay, you normally make 30 bucks an hour. Today, I'm going to pay you $20 an hour. Well, the guy, the driver is going to say, well, this is BS. Like, why would you ever do that? Well, every time you negotiate for a price on a deal on something, you're essentially doing the same thing because at the end of the day, whatever the margin is, is built into the product for us to profit and live our lives. So every time you drive it down, it's like, I don't walk into McDonald's and go, oh, well, that burger's 99 cents. I'm going to pay you 75 cents. How about you give me it for 70? Like, you just don't do it. But yet everybody justifies it in their hobby industry. It's not just racing and motorsports. It's anything that's a hobby. I, well, saw, I mean, these I golf saw, clubs are on deal. Yeah, I saw this thing on Facebook, which was actually really cool. So it was like one of those meme things or whatever. But it was a, it said, 
if you support me in chasing my dreams to be a business owner, um, what did it say? Don't ask me. Yeah, don't ask me for a deal because you'll understand that I'm trying to, you know, if you're a real friend, you you won't ask for a deal, something like that. But it was really cool, like because but it makes sense, you know. So it but does, and we'll never get away from it. You know, I just deal with it and and suck it up, I guess. Yeah. Well, to switch gears a little bit, I know with you being able to to tune so many different things and whatnot, like tell me. How do you feel about this whole Street Outlaws thing? Because this is kind of something that's right in your wheelhouse. I mean, you probably make some of your living off of a lot of these cars that, you know, that style of car. Like, you think that's a good thing for the industry or a bad thing? I personally think it's a good thing. And I think it's a good thing solely based upon the broader the audience, we can get our style of doing things, you know, the better off we're going to be. There's a guy down the street from somebody that has always kind of been in the cars but didn't understand it. Now he gains exposure to the, to the street outlaws or no prep kings or any of this stuff. And now he's a fan. So now we've gained somebody that at the end of the day, we all need fans to survive, but we also need customers. So the ability to to get more fans, more clientele, everything else into it, really the better off we are. I mean... You, you're going to get the haters, you're going to get the deal, you know, whatever. But if those cameras were to turn off and walk away from 80% of those people, they would still be doing it. Like, it's not fake bullshit. It's really what they do and what they enjoy. And they're able to bring that to a broader market. And I think it's good. You know, like we touched on the, the whole no prep concept in the our failed segment. Really, no prep racing isn't no prep racing. It's eight-year-ago prep racing. So these things make so much power. Everything is, you know, ridiculous, and that's why it, you know, it is what it is. But I've never been to one of those events, but I highly, highly doubt that they are pure, bald, bare concrete, but they're just scraped and, and no glue, and just like it was eight, ten years ago. Well, you know, to go on with that, as we're going to, we're getting close here on our wrapping it up. I wanted to ask now that we're going into lights out 10 and with the no prep. And obviously that's a complete opposite with Donald and, and everyone down there. It's like prep to the, to the extreme. What do you think we're going to have for a low ET? for radio versus the world this year. I mean, we've, we've been hanging out in the three seventies. Uh, you know, Mickey went three sixty two. you know, how much more is really there for those cars in 660 feet? Well, putting you on the spot. No, you're definitely putting me on the spot. Typically. So we do around here. Yeah, it's all right. Typically this race is a lot of times it rains. Um, because you're going to have that many cars and that many classes, I'm going to suspect that low ET at lights out 10 is going to be a 68 to a 70 ish, maybe a little bit slower, but I think what's going to happen is we're all going to treat that as a really fast high dollar stakes test session for sweet 16 too. Um, what he did on like that event was, probably one of the coolest events I've ever been to 
because there was only two classes, just like this year, there's radio versus the world and X275. We got nine qualifiers last year, and the track was badass the whole time. And what's neat about, just like anybody that's ever tested their race car, when you're at a racetrack and you can go and repetitively turn the car around quickly, your mind is right, you think better, you you just, like, it's better than when you're at an event like, Don, you would understand, you're at Indy, and you run one time one day, two times the next day, like, you kind of fall off your rhythm. So the Sweet 16 is badass because... We get eight to 10 qualifiers. Like you get back from the run, you go over the data, you make a decision, you go back up there. And that's what that and the killer weather and the track prep pushed what you saw Mark Mickey do. And Dwayne Mills was the first in the 60s. And Andrew, you know, Alipa's car with Daniel Ferris driving, you know, ran well. We ran well with Tim Slavin's car. We went a 73, which is that we still haven't been faster, but like, for the dollar amount you spend to enter that race, like you couldn't go to a test session and rent the racetrack and still have it that good. So I think lights out 10 is going to be good. Um, but I think sweet 16 is going to be better. All right. Well, Joe, I, I mean, I guess mom, we'll have to see what you tune. Yeah. I, I, I mean, <laughs> I mean, I'm okay. Obviously I'm an NHRA guy, but as Cam and I have this conversation, I'm a motors motorsports enthusiast and I will be watching lights out 10. I, you know, I, the, the whole thing with Donald, because I'm a marketing guy, he is a promoter. He puts on a great event. And when he gets up there and he's doing Facebook live about sissy bars and everything else, I, I, I mean, I love it. So I'm going to be watching and, and, you know, that's a rich man's game without a doubt. And I think that the guys that come out there with top notch equipment and go that quick in 660 feet, that's just ultimate respect. You know, what's neat and, and the way that I kind of correlate radio versus the world is it's the modern day and we were kind of heading this way the last deal, but it's the modern day top fuel. Like we easily make 5,500 to 6,000. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. <laughs> it's the top fuel people want to watch. That's oh, oh yes, yes. I'm a door car guy. Even the guy get up on a rant here. Hey, 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 right hey, 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 that's my but, segment. But you know, you look, him, like, so think about it. The the in, the turbocharged stuff. We know for a fact we made 4,300 with Woody's car on my dyno with transmission with some wiring problems. We learned later. We didn't lock it up. We weren't aggressive. They made 5,200 with Andrew Alipa's car. So okay, let's call it average number of 4,800 to the tire. So we know they, these things make 5,500 plus at the crankshaft. That's fuel territory from 15 years ago, maybe oh, 20 yeah. years ago. So that's why I say it's, you know, it's fuel cars comparatively. Cause there's not an alcohol car in the country that makes that power, no blower car, et cetera. So it's very neat. You know, we're pushing limits. We're, we're pushing the limits of the parts of the fuels of, boost you know back six eight years ago big boost was 50 55 pounds like now that's low boost as we call it in some of those cars so it's just a different deal and what donald has done in, in the radio versus the world concept is like okay well i'll put it on this tire and 
bring what you can. And it's the technology that has allowed us. It's, it's the engine development. It's the turbocharger development. It's the electronics packages and the way that we can strategize and do things differently. It's the transmissions, it's converter technology, it's tire technology. It's, it's not one thing that has made cars that weigh 2,800 pounds go 360s in the eighth. It's, it's all of it, you know, from the converter development, the, you know, heck it's how these guys know how to prep the racetrack. You get guys like Wade, um, Tyler Cross, no Jimmy Bradshaw, Kurt Johnson, like, we couldn't do it without them saying, okay, well, we know how to make this radio work. We're just going to throw glue on the racetrack and squeegee it around. I mean, it's, but at the end of the day, if you didn't have that, you'd go four O's, but we got to four O's in that regard because of all the other developments that we've done. And that's what makes this sport exciting versus the same thing every time. Well, Eric, watch this, Joe. Cam, what's a typical A fuel car go in the eighth mile? I mean, we're talking what? Megan doesn't Mott, know how to look at that part of the me, time. Me, me, I don't do that. What? I, I just mean, look at what, the reaction time and the wind light. No, uh, <laughs> I mean, what? You got to think what quarter mile? I think the A fuel record right now is what five five twenty one. That's the quickest no. ever. A fuel? No, a fuel? like teens. Is it a teen? Fourteen, yeah, eighteen, fourteen, uh, or eighteen. Uh, I think. Okay, no, fourteen. So, I think. I think so, Megan went. Somebody went an eleven too. So what 11. do you think? I mean, what's an A fuel go to the eighth mile then? Three what? Gotta be got, gotta be gotta be in the in the in that sixty sixty yeah, thirty way. Could you hey Joe, how about how about we you getting Donald's ear down there at, at lights out ten and be like, hey, let's get an A fuel car and a radio versus the world car just for show. So as it currently stands, you're not allowed to run nitro there, I don't think. Up to a point. Uh, at Valdosta? He, oh, that's but right. He had talked, but he had talked about allowing it in like an A fuel application, like not a dragster, but like when remember when Don was it Don Wooten built that ADRL car that was going to be a like a nitro, you know, an A fuel engine and a Pro Mod, wasn't like that Pro Extreme deal? Wasn't that the one that uh, isn't that the same one that um, Scott Palmer's got? Didn't what wasn't it that car? No, Scott Palmer has it Studebaker with a fuel engine. That's right. Okay, like, that's he's right. Just, yeah, he's nuts. But <laughs> a real man, <laughs> like a real man. Yeah, fuck all that. Um, <laughs> but he had talked about that. I don't know if anything ever transpired, but I don't think you can get. I mean, the it's bad enough some of these nitrous guys that take twenty minutes to purge. Can you imagine how long we'd have to wait to get an A fuel car to actually run a nitro down there? <laughs> i think he's talking to you yeah. cam because i don't you know I, I i mean i mean i don't take that long to purge being a nitrous guy you know i just kind of how like, many kids do you have i only have two and i don't even <laughs> so imagine if you had four or five it would at least triple the amount of time it takes to purge it <laughs> oh come on just just make <laughs> sure that da- make sure the race pack sensor looks right on the dash let's go yeah so i, I looked it up three one of the runs 349 349? Yeah. 349 to the 8. Okay. Well, 349, 9, 229. What? How much does one weigh? 2260, I think. So, when 
arc Mickey went, I mean, I, I believe the rule was 28 or 28, 50 when he went at 62. Mm, we could bolt on some weight and slow an A fuel car down. That'd be a good match race. Get some shit talking Just going on. Put the engine in, no, but like they need doors and suspension. <laughs> like we don't need caveman shit. We need doors and suspension. I like hey, it. I put I, the, the doors stay on the rental car when I drive to the racetrack to get in a real race car. Oh God! <laughs> oh, here we go. Yeah, no kidding. Is this where the is this where this derails? <laughs> yeah, no, it's okay. We don't fault you. Southern California is nitro country. We get that, but in the same regard that. Whatever. No, I appreciate. I appreciate it all. <laughs> hey, if somebody wants me to drive with them door car things, sign me yeah, up. Yeah, you've been listen. You've been trying to get a pro mod for years. Don't even Hell, try that you, shit. You bet you I would. Yeah. Well, look. I think Cam and I t- when we started out, we talked about the fact if somebody would let us get in like a dirt late model, we would go do that. We would do monster truck, like no questions asked. Jump right in. Just let me have you know. Tell me which way I need to go. So I, I think we're both in that same boat that that we'll do everything. I'm not riding a motorcycle. That's where I draw draw the line at. I'm out. Well, and honestly, the the same thing holds true for me on the tuning side of it in the sense that. You know, recently we've done some Lucas Oil off-road stuff. We've done some offshore boat stuff. I've done some side-by-side UTV stuff. Um, I just, I do it all. It doesn't really, as long as it has EFI and not a carburetor, I'm cool with it. Like, we just don't do carburetors. We've done Pro Street motorcycle stuff lately. Um, Yeah, I don't like to sit still. And I'm just batting, I'm just batting a thousand on this deal. Like, no carburetors, so my super comp car's out. No nitro, all that's out. Well, I'm cool with nitro. You just, I mean, they're kind of fuel injected, but not exactly. So it's okay. It's still better than a carburetor. <laughs> gray area. Oh, <laughs> definitely a gray area. Well, we might have to, we might have to bring Joe back on because this, this is, this is getting it's, a little, a little are we long. We're going to need but, to turn uh, this into like two episodes or yeah, something. Yeah, we might have to, but you know, Joe, like we just wanted to thank you a bunch for coming on here and trying to to do this four times, you know, no, it's I think, cool. I think I we got fun. a good deal, but you know, we'd love to have you on again and we can talk way more shit. Cause you know, we kind of just tip the iceberg here and you know, there's a lot more to talk about, but you know, you and your, uh, your hyperactive performance solutions program over there is, is, uh, is badass. And, you know, we appreciate what you're doing for the sport and, you know, just engines and racing and data in general. And yep. Absolutely. We you didn't know, even talk about the dyno, so we'll yeah, I know. We'll, we'll come back whenever. Yeah, we'll we'll get into that. But uh, as usual, we just wanted to thank Hyperactive Performance Solutions for you know coming on the show. You know, RacePack.com, Dragsters for Sale, and Voice America for letting us do this. And I guess we'll just have to see you next week. Thanks, guys. Take care. See you, Joe. See ya. Let's